Are you ready to take lead in your life? Well, today's the day. Join us on Leadership to Wealth with your host, Neil D'Souza. And we're back. And our guest today is Shona Welsh. Uh, she is world-renowned. She is a public speaker. She has, uh, is an owner in her company, Ovation uh, Speakers. Oh, you got a tagline. What's the tagline, Shona? Experts in speaker training. Ovation. Experts Ovation. in speaker training. There yeah. you <laughs> go. There you go. Thank you. But she's done so much more. But today, she is really talking to us about being an entrepreneur and how to get your ideas heard and get them acted upon. And so that's the, in the organization that you're in. And so that's the question that we are starting off this wealth portion with. Shona, again, thank you for joining us here on the, on the wealth building portion of our podcast. Now, come on, you've got to tell me a little bit now about what you teach Give us a little bit of background in this area and, and what you teach when it comes to uh, entrepreneurship and mentrepreneurship. Okay, yeah. So there's a couple of aspects okay. that, that we teach. The first one is there's a whole certification training through the Global Innovation Institute. Got it. That you can become a certified whatever. Okay. Uh, there are a number of certifications. So that's the big part. The other part about entrepreneurs is, and you say entrepreneurship program, this is a program I developed because of my 30 years of being an entrepreneur and feeling like I just wasn't as successful at it as I had hoped, or I learned all the stuff the hard way. So basically what I do is I go into organizations and work with leaders to do a couple of things. Well, I guess three things. First of all, some people want an audit, like how ready are we to be innovative in our culture? And yeah. so I'll go and I'll do an audit and I'll talk to employees and look at policies and procedures and how do we embrace innovation or not in our organization? That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Second thing is I, I build programs around how do you recognize who your entrepreneurs are how do you engage them or re-engagement as uh, re-engage them as the story goes? And I'll talk more about that in a second. And the okay. third thing is, is how do you grow leadership in an organization that actually values and encourages entrepreneurship? And altogether, those three things are what I call my mentorpreneurship program. How do we mentor entrepreneurs? Because my first book was about how do you build mentor programs. Yeah. So I kind of brought all of that together. Oh, okay. Wait. So. I, I I like to answer a question. So the, what question does this program answer? That, that how you're talking can about? We, how can we be more innovative in our Perfect. organization? Okay. Yeah. It's about innovation. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all, all right. Okay. Now where are we going? Tell tell us more. Tell us more about this. How can we innovate? Okay. How can we be innovators? How can we grow innovation in our companies? Okay, so the first question I usually ask leaders that I work with is this, who are your entrepreneurs in the organization? And okay. I got to tell you, sometimes, sometimes they can say, oh, it's these people. Most of the time, they'll kind of look at each other and they don't, they don't really know, which is my first hint that, you know, we got some work to do culture-wise. But then I'll say to them, okay, 
So you're not sure who they are. Let me ask you a question. Are there some really annoying people <laughs> in your organization? I don't mean like personality wise. I just mean, are they annoying in that they're always asking questions or always asking why we do things this way? Are there people like that? And I go, oh yeah, oh yeah. And they know exactly who those people are. And I'll say, okay, those are your entrepreneurs. They're not asking you questions to be annoying. They're asking you questions because they're curious and they want to understand and they've got some better way maybe or some idea about how to be better. That's the first thing I say. And the second thing I say is, do you have people that used to be annoying and now aren't annoying at all? They're just really quiet and they'll, they'll invariably nod their head and I'll go, okay, now you've got a problem because you've got entrepreneurs who used to ask about ideas and now have silenced themselves. I'll guarantee you they're warming up their resumes right now. They've given up, they've gone quiet. Here's how we need to re-engage those people because they want to be re-engaged. They really do. Wow. So that's how I start. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, to start <laughs> off, just saying the word leaders, asking, asking in many settings, who are your leaders? Well, there's no, most organizations do not have a job title that says leader, uh, unless it's team leader. And, uh, and so they can identify those people to you, but they can't identify anyone else. And so that's, that's really interesting. But then being able to, to break that, wow, oh my goodness. If, I'm stunned. Uh, really? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking that if you had been around teaching some of the managers that I had back in the day, I probably would have ended up staying uh, with, uh, with the organizations that I was with because I was really just looking for that opportunity back in the day to be able to ask questions, be able to grow, be able to innovate, and it wasn't there. And so I had to find another way to have that self-expression. Exactly. And so many entrepreneurs, so many business owners leave jobs because they're stifled, not because of the money. That's right. But the creativity is stifled. The curiosity is stifled. And you do not want to go through life living that way. No, you know. Wow. It, it, this is the wealth portion of the podcast. So let me, let me say this. Weirdly, uh, the wealth part was never that important to me. I find it comes when you're connecting with your passion. In other words, I've yeah. been known to leave jobs to go to another job that pays me less because I felt stifled, like exactly what you said. The money was secondary. And that's, I find, largely true of your entrepreneurs. The money is secondary. It's the chance to put their ideas and get in there and co-create with people that really gets you going. Oh, absolutely. In, in my own business, I've, I deal with many investors. And I actually fired one of my wealthiest investors because really? because quite frankly he attitude personality just did not work and and that i it didn't matter what amount of money he was bringing to the table and what that would allow me to do it just wasn't worth it right and so so in terms of what you're saying the wealth portion this being the wealth portion yes 
we understand that money is nice, but hey, it, it's not a value without the other aspect. If you don't have powerful relationships, what good is right. it, right? If you don't have your health, what good is that, right? And, and there are so many people that all that money does is allow you to act upon the other things that you want. Right, money is freedom. Right? Yeah. yeah. But if you can find, but you can still lock yourself into a jail cell and have lots of money, right? You, oh, yeah. you, can, you can create a business that, and there are many, many people that have made lots of money in a business and hate it the entire time. And so Absolutely. what you're talking yeah. about is powerful just in the aspect of uh, self-realization, uh, un understanding yourself, right? So- Sorry. Exactly. I remember. No, it's a fine. No, it's great. I, I remember working in the government and there was, I was in my twenties yeah. and there was someone in their forties that I worked with, had worked for the government ever since they started. And they had one of those clocks on their desk. that was like the retirement countdown clock. It was like 13 years, nine months, seven days and two hours. And I will be ready to retire. And I remember thinking to myself, seriously you want to live your and they this person hated their job and i and i remember in my 20 year old passion saying why would you stay in a job that is sucking the life out of you and then retire at 65 when all of the research shows that if you retire with no plan and no goal you, you will often die within three to five years and i i just remember thinking in my 20s i'm not I'm not going to live my life like that. Life is for living. If I'm stuck in a job I'm miserable at, what is the point? I'm not going to wait till I'm 65, right? To craft the life that I want. Okay, Shona, you, you got to get us into it now. All right. So we're identifying, we're, we've identified some of the leaders. We've identified those that have been marginalized and are getting their resumes ready to, to head off. And and now you now you've identified that what what's next uh how are are we talking right now to the to the managers and the lead i'm going to call them the managers the managers and the executives of organizations or are we now about to get into the the individuals themselves because i'm really interested on how they're going to marry up the public speaking and being heard and getting their ideas acted upon so Come on, right. help, help me here, well, because right now all you've got me in is remembering uh, bosses that wouldn't let me uh, create new ways of doing things. Right. Well, I think it's both and. So okay. uh, you have to start first with the leaders and the culture in the organization. If you want to keep and encourage your entrepreneurs, and I think now in the days of COVID, more than ever, we need to make sure we're engaging in, in you know, keeping those people and acting in their ideas because we've got to, you know, reimagine how we do business. And then I'll talk mm -hmm. a little bit about what I've learned in terms of what speaking allowed me to do and okay. get ideas. Okay. So the first thing is with leaders is, is taking a hard look in the mirror about how much risk we're willing to tolerate. Okay. And, and what that looks like in terms of managing risk. Now, there's never gonna be a new idea that is riskless. It just does not exist on the planet. And so the first thing I work with leaders on, I do some coaching with them around their mental models around risk and what do they think the worst thing that could happen would be, especially when you know, you've got a good business plan and you're managing risk. I wanna just say right up front, 
entrepreneurs and innovation does not mean that you have to embrace all kinds of risk. It doesn't mean that, and I find a lot of leaders come with that mental model to begin with. It doesn't mean that at all. It means you identify the risk, you mitigate for the risk, you decide, okay, that's too risky, but you know, where, where are we going to land? And the more ideas you have coming through your innovation funnel, the more you're going to be able to identify those things. So I start with leaders' mental models around risk and what innovation actually looks like. And you uncover all kinds of things. I'll just give you one example. Okay. One leader I worked with uh, decided that there was no way he could entertain new ideas and gather it because he's got the word president after his name and therefore he must have all the answers. Now, he didn't consciously realize that that was his mental model, but through coaching and talking and me pushing him, he went, one day he went, oh, and, it was interesting because we had a town hall meeting with his 700 staff the next morning yeah. and he had to go out and tell them some really bad news. And he gave me his speech and he, and it was just blah, blah, leadership platitudes. You know, we've all heard it. And I, and he said, what do you think? And I said, don't say this stuff. He's like, why not? And I said, because nobody's going to believe you. You're not authentic. Anyway, long story short, he was walking out on the stage. I still didn't know what he was going to do, but what I had said to him, why don't you just say, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I need your help in regaining the work we lost and all this sort of stuff. And I, I don't even know if he knew he, what he was going to do. Anyway, mm. bless his heart. He went out there and he went, I got nothing. I don't know what to do. We've lost this big contract. It's going to impact 300 people. I need your help. I need your ideas. I'm open. Well, it took us two hours to get out of the auditorium because it's like they rushed the stage like groupies. And I got this friend. I got this cousin. I got this blah, blah, blah. Three weeks later, he makes this announcement that not only did we get a new contract, we actually had to hire more people. And it all because someone's cousin's brother had a contact that you know was right up our alley so i remember him saying to me after that this has completely transformed my view of leadership that i don't have to have all the answers i don't i don't have to be perfect i can actually be human and ask for people's ideas and when you do all of a sudden the floodgates open if they believe that you're open to ideas now you have to model that right he had to actually go out be vulnerable as brene brown talks about and see what happens. And weirdly being more vulnerable as a leader brings you more ideas. So that's kind of the first thing we start with is what do you think about innovation and what's your risk tolerance? So that's step one. Okay, yeah, got it. Step one, you want more ideas? Be more vulnerable. Yeah. Got yeah. It. And because people react to that because they're vulnerable too. Right. right. And when you as the leader are, it makes it okay for everybody else. So they'll bring you yeah. your, their ideas, even if maybe, you know, everybody knows the story of sticky notes in 3M, I think. Yes. A lot of people in business know the story, right? They weren't, they were trying to make a really tough adhesive and it wasn't working, but when they had this light sort of sticky note thing, they gave it to an executive assistant in the organization who started using it and while sticky notes were born. So innovation can often be serendipitous as well. So step one is is what do we as leaders think and tolerate? How do we make ourselves vulnerable? Step two is how do we then create an environment where people feel safe 
to create ideas. And there are a lot of ways to do it, but the most simple and quick one is to carve out a special little kind of innovation place, a department, section, Lockheed Martin used to call it skunk works mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. And it, it's a place where you get seconded for, you know, a defined period of time, six months, one year. Okay. And none of the usual bureaucratic rules apply. Okay. You get do we give you a budget you get to do you get to create there's a whole process behind it which we won't get into right now but it's creating that space both physically and mentally where people do not feel constrained and they are not bound by the same bureaucratic rules that the rest of the organization is because it's still got a function right that's step two and then step three is creating innovation funnels like creating a process where we get to evaluate ideas and we have a gated process. Okay. And then we end up with some fabulous viable ideas at the end of it. So that's what, the three steps. What, what is an innovation funnel? Okay. So what I call an innovation funnel and everybody in the business and innovation calls it that, but basically a funnel is, okay, we got all these ideas generated. There's like a hundred of them. That's mm. our funnel. Now we're going to start to evaluate those hundred ideas and they start to drop off. That's okay. You're doing the right thing because you're assessing risk and all the right. rest of it. You might end up with five gems out of those ideas and that's what you're going to put your resources and your time into. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So now we're, we, we, we've now talked about top down. Yes. Right. You've talked about, uh, managers, executives, and how they can change their organizations that way. Now, right. now, what about the entrepreneurs that are being stifled in an organization and they don't yet have that uh, from up top? Is there something they can do to be to now be heard? Here's where public speaking comes in. Oh, okay, because, okay. Yeah. My life as an entrepreneur yeah. was not that successful in my 20s until I started going to Toastmasters. Okay. I credit Toastmasters with like the genesis of kind of my whole philosophy and how to influence without authority. Because when you're younger and you're not in that leadership role, even when you're right. in a leadership role, you know, authority comes from, to a certain extent, title but you still have to get people on board. They have to want to follow you. You have to get yeah. your colleagues on board. So I realized that coming out like a bull in a china shop, why are we doing this? I got, I got all these, right. It, people feel threatened by right. that. Right. And I think almost every entrepreneur right. I know started out in their career doing, they're just like, oh, right. It's not effective because yeah. people get worried and you're, you know, oh my God, what that's, what's that going to mean for my job? If I do this more efficiently, why do they need me? Stuff like that. So you learn over time that you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming across yeah. as being critical of how the organization has done things, people turn off right away. So as I went through Toastmasters, I learned things like, how do I analyze my audience? How do I understand what it is they need to know? Right. And if I, if I, there's one very, very significant change in perspective that will completely transform, I learned the hard way, uh, how you're heard. And okay. that's difference between this question what do i want to tell my audience which is how most people approach it versus 
what does my audience want to hear from me? Which is a very subtle twist on the same theme, but the second version of the question, what does my audience want to hear from me, means you have to shift your perspective and you're now in the audience's shoes. You ask yourself, if I were this person, what would I want to know? What would be my questions? And it transforms how you plan your communications. This question alone totally transformed how I communicated. And then all the other things you learn as a good speaker, great vocal variety, telling stories to bring people in, all that sort of stuff. But I think that one question shifted everything for me. Wow. <laughs> if you saw the looks on my face as you were just <laughs> speaking there, uh, a light bulb just came on. Absolutely. As a speaker, so often you are sitting there thinking, what do I want my audience to hear? What do I want them to leave with? And you craft it that way. And, yeah. <laughs> and I like, the, you can get through that. You can get to the, to answer the question eventually of what do they actually want to hear? But starting with what do they actually want to hear? What do they, what are they actually looking for is a much more, <laughs> a much more friendly question and really helps you get to the heart of it much quicker. Yeah. So this is one thing I teach uh, entrepreneurs is like, yeah. think really carefully about the pain points and the hot buttons of yeah. the leaders you're pitching your ideas to. That, that, that's, that's for anybody. Talking. That's for anybody. Exactly. Anybody speaking, you, you need to be able to think about that, right? What does that person want to hear? Okay. Sorry. Right. Go, go ahead. I, I'll continue to, I'll pick up my jaw. Let's continue. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the examples uh, I, I can think of just how this works in action is I was at this engineering company I mentioned that was international and I had 10 company presidents that I had to convince that, you know, doing certain training programs. And these are, uh, they were wonderful. I love them. And Apologies to any engineers out in the out in the in you know Zoom land, but they're very technical and aren't necessarily comfortable with kind of soft skill stuff. And so a lot of their resistance at the time anyway, a lot of their resistance came from, well, this is kind of touchy feely soft skill stuff. What do we do? Because I was talking about communications a lot. And so I got to know these 10 presidents really well, and I treated each of them as a separate audience. So what's the pain point for this guy? What, they, it was all men in those days. I was the first female leader they ever had. And, and you know, what, which, who's got what interest and make sure that in my presentation, I answered the question I knew they would have before they even asked it. And over time, when you do that in your communications, what happens is, this is seriously what goes on in their head. They go, oh, she totally understands me. She gets my pain. What right. keeps me up at night? She yeah. understands our business. So after a while, what began to happen was instead of saying professional development and training, which was my role, as a necessary evil, they saw it as a really important part of growing their business and making people, helping people to be more competent project managers, that kind of mm. stuff. 
so that that to me was you know just so such a pivotal learning and then the second thing i learned and this is just through trial and error and again i i made all these mistakes i try to tell share it with people so they don't is is making sure and this is going to sound really weird talk about the bad stuff about your idea and talk about it first here's why yeah so there's always going to be downsides there's always going to be risks like what would happen if and you know that that's what the audience is thinking when you're an entrepreneur because they're going to start you know really drilling down if you start with that i learned this it was miraculous i went okay Today I'm gonna, I'm gonna present this idea to you, thanks for your time, but I'm gonna start with the three reasons why it's a bad idea. And all of a sudden people go, what? What's going on? You know what you're doing? You're disarming them. They're ready to go to war. They're ready to go to battle. They're ready to ask you tough questions. But when you start with them, again, what you're establishing in their mind is this belief that you're smart, you've thought this through, you're not trying to blow smoke. Yeah. So weirdly, starting with the bad stuff gets their attention and it gets them more in favor of your idea and then you yeah. get into the good stuff. It's weird, but it works. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, if you've actually thought through an idea, yeah. leading in with the bad stuff is, is great because you can deal with that, put it to bed, Great. Now let's get into the good stuff. And um, as opposed to so often in, in anywhere you go, people try to hide those items, right? They try to hide the bad stuff. And so we are on our guard looking for, oh, what, how, when are they going to pull the rug out from under my feet? What, what is it that they've missed? Let me, they, and they skip over all of your good stuff because they're now looking for the stuff that you missed or, or that you're hiding, the problems, right. right? The issues. That's right. Yeah. Now, when I say start, it's sort of the first item, but there's also, I'm going to back up a little bit. There's a okay. thing that comes before that, which is what we call at Ovation, the opening hook. In other words, you've got about eight seconds. That's yes. about how long most human beings can focus now. Thank you to the internet. We've got about eight seconds to pull them in and get their attention. And so we train people, especially if they're doing pitches for business ideas, mm -hmm. to have a compelling opening. All good speakers know this. And a lot of times a compelling opening is, in, in the case of an entrepreneur or entrepreneur, what, what will the future look like? Paint this vivid, multi-sensory vision of the future tell a story you and i were talking earlier about when you tell a story why is that so powerful because it connects with people and they start thinking about oh yeah that happened to me once and blah 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 and you got them yeah so bring them in with your opening hook then tell them the bad news and then they're like oh this person's so honest they thought it through and then you hit them with your plan yeah right um Quick shout out to uh, ex-chief petty officer, first class, Dave Crocker, uh, that I used to work with, um, with the military. And he used to try to get, try to teach me back when I was younger. And he would try to teach me that you need to learn the job of the man above you and teach your job to the man below. Right. But yeah. being a mili military, being, being yeah. military, right. And, and he said, 
And he would teach me, look, I'm solving the problems of my boss. He's like, as long as you take care of solving his problems, you're going to be good. He said, and, and he never said, solve my problems. <laughs> he just said, That's this right. is what I do. I was selling the problem. And I'm making sure that I'm teaching my job to the person below me. Well, that was me. So um, <laughs> indirectly, he's like, I'm teaching you my job. So listen up. But it yeah. was important because then it, it clicked. How do I, what questions do I need to answer for him? How do I protect him in, in this? Great. I've got all these ideas which allow me to be self-expressed, to be creative, to be innovative, to do all those things. But how's that going to affect him and, and what he's going to have to do? And all of a sudden, it started getting me thinking about, okay, and then he's going to have to tell his boss and how's that? And he's going to have to tell the commander and how is that going to play out? And all of a sudden, you now start thinking about your idea in a much broader sense, right. and you're able to start thinking through the, the risks for yourself. Meanwhile, you're not even the manager, right? You're not even the executives, right? But, and, and so the presentation uh, you know, does change. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. You, brought, you just reminded me of uh, Chief Petty Officer Dave Crocker. Again, shout out to you, Dave. Hope you're shout doing well. <laughs> I haven't talked to Dave in a long time, but um, that is that is very powerful, very true. And from a public speaking standpoint, I I just agree. It's it's a great process to go through in terms of hey, lay that stuff out rather than force people to to be on guard the entire time. Like you said, allow them to put their guard down. Okay, we got the bad stuff and, and then go from there. But definitely for entrepreneurs, hey, you've got ideas, bring them forward, but lead in with the bad stuff. Sounds like a horrible recipe, but I love it. I know. It's so weird. But don't you find most things in life are kind of intuitively opposite to what you think you should do, but it works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, in truth, my, uh, oh gosh, should I tell the story on there? Um, okay. I know this person who they really, um, they wanted to have a whole lot of kids. And I remember this guy and he did not want to go anywhere near this girl because she wanted to have all these kids and because it just scared him. Now, as it turns out, uh, he ended up getting married to her and yeah, they ended up having a few kids. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have 10 kids like she talked about, but what's interesting is that they were complete opposites. And then that led into, you know, them actually ending up getting married and having a happy family. Well, until the kids well, became teenagers, and then ah, uh, yeah, no, it's not it's not so happy. <laughs> Been there and done that. I, I, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to my youngest son yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he lives in the UK, and I and he was, you know, he's all things aren't working out the way he had planned. It's not bad. Right. It's just not the way he planned. And I said right. to him, "Well, welcome to adult life. You, you know, you have to be able to be willing to give up the life you planned." Right. To live the life you really, really right. want, right? And I, I think, you know, I'm a true. I can't remember that's some. That's not my quote. I think it was Joseph, kind of 
Joseph Conrad. I don't know. I can't remember, but I love that. I love it. I, I always think, okay, you got this plan. There's other cool things come along. Okay. Let that go. Go do this thing. That's okay. Right. Right. Be, being quick to, to be able to identify and, and move. We, yeah. I think this conversation that, that you've brought up, it, it leads into so many areas because even what you talked about, the people that used to be annoying at one point in time and then no longer are. Yeah. What, what I find more tragic is there are those people that you, you know, that you're talking about. They might have been annoying at one point in time and now they're not. They're not warming up the resume anymore. Instead, they have, uh, they've just let it go. They let the spark go and resign themselves right and and to me that's even more tragic yeah i always say to leaders do you want people who quit and stay or do you want people engaged right because you rather people leave if they're disengaged but the quit and stay thing is really what you're talking about they just do the bare minimum you can't really fault them they're doing their job but they're not giving you what we call discretionary energy right Mm. the that spark, that creativity, they're now, you know, Mm -hmm. doing that some other area in their life. Yeah. You you have taught them by your actions as a leader, you've taught them that if I speak up, if I'm creative, if I express my ideas, I'm going to get beaten. I'm going to get prodded. I'm going to get, you know, the, the taser. And even if, even if you're not harsh about it, if you're not supportive in it, then eventually people have realized, okay, I get rewarded for just sitting here and, you know, um, making widgets. Let me just sit here and make the widget. Right. Right. You know, there's a, there's a wonderful book. It's, it's an older book now, but I think a classic it's called Mm -hmm. say it right the first time by Loretta Mm -hmm. Melandro. And Mm -hmm. I love this book because she talks about what leaders say, but what employees here, quick example, leaders say, Oh, we got this great new contract, great opportunities. What employees here, more work. (laughs) Right? right, and right. I laugh out loud when I read those things because I go, oh, "Yeah, that's totally what I did. That's yeah. how I reacted." So, right. you know, thinking about as leaders, what messages are we sending, and how are how are people actually hearing it? Okay, so how if you were the leader, how would you lead in on that conversation for the with the new contract, and and you're telling you're telling your employees what would you how would you lead that in? Okay. So here's what I would do, and this is what I have done with staff when I yeah. actually became a senior leader. I said, okay, we've got this great new contract that you know you contributed to. What parts appeal to you to do right. in this contract? Or, uh, and if they go, well, you know, this part appeals to me, but I got this other thing going on, what, and I'll say, all right, what would you prefer to do? And I, I teach like I, as the certified coach, I teach people coaching approaches too. Right. So I'll, I'll say to them, I've trained my staff to do this. Okay, Shona, thanks a lot for that brilliant idea. Things you want me to do. What would you like me not to do while I'm working on this cool thing? So it's this constant, I find balance between being excited about stuff, but also giving people the opportunity to choose. 
right? It's sort of, you know this, you've got four kids, I've got five kids. When they were little, it's, it wasn't, you know, you weren't going to have a debate about wearing pajamas. You're not going right. to, do you want to wear pajamas tonight? No, you go, red pajamas or blue pajamas, right? right. So you've already right. framed the discussion and your choice is red or blue. Your choice is not whether you get to wear pajamas. Yes. So I think when human, human beings like to feel like they have a choice. Yeah. So I think if you take that coach approach, and again, I teach all leaders coaching as well in order to bring out people's thoughts and reactions and ideas. Mm -hmm. And you can use it on me. And we, you know, we laugh, my staff and I would laugh because I go, you're coaching me. And they go, <laughs> yep, I am. Yeah. But that's great, right? Because yeah. Susan Scott is a wonderful, another author I love. She's got a book called Fierce Conversations. And she says this, in a conversation, you're either keeping the relationship neutral, you're building it up, or you're damaging it in some way. Choose wisely. So I always sort of, have tried to approach my interactions with my staff when I was in the work world as an employee mm -hmm. with how do I keep this either neutral or build it? Wow. So many powerful thoughts there. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking I might lead in with, <laughs> I might lead in with, okay, guys, this is, I got some terrible news for you. We, we got another contract. Um, you know, right. I mean, it means more work, mind you, then we all do get, uh, we do get more stability. Yeah. I guess we will make more money. Um, you know, I guess we will get a chance to be more innovative, <laughs> but how do you, how do we throw all the bad at them and then, and then let them turn around and convince me that it's good. I, clearly I, I need work on that, but, uh, but that. But I like what you're saying and really considering how to do that. I got to be honest, this conversation is so expansive that I, I'm literally, I'm thinking, I need to get a coffee. I need to sit down and just think about my own leadership. I need to think about, you know, the people that I interact with and how do I, uh, do I stifle them? And am I building, am I building the opportunity for, uh, have I created innovation funnels? All, all of these things, right? I'm, I'm literally finding myself asking those questions right now. And I'm definitely going to have to go back and listen to this interview again and, and take note. Now, Perfect. I've got I've to ask, what, what's next? What's next for you, Shona? What, what are you on to? What's new? What's exciting? I, I heard that there might be another book in the works. Yeah. Well, actually, there are a few books in the works. Okay. Um, Jan is my partner. Jan Bailey is yeah. is working on a book just on reflecting on yeah. you know what if you change your story that kind of thing. And I'm working on some shorter uh, books on just different aspects of speaking and how do you present yourself, etc. So yeah, we got a number number of things going on. We're launching a new six week journey. I'm calling it's like a mastermind group called okay. Empower Her Wisdom. Uh, so particularly for women entrepreneurs, yeah. mainly who yeah. are inspiring and got a message for the world. Yeah. Okay. Hang on a second. You can't just drop that and, and leave that there. Uh, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta tell us something more about that. Okay. Tell us, yeah. So, okay. So what's right. it called? It's called empower her wisdom. Empower and her wisdom. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, and we're partnering with a wonderful, wonderful entrepreneurial hub in Barrie, Ontario called the Sandbox Center. Okay. And they are just doing some amazing things in, in, our, in our area. And we thought, let's take some women or enroll some women who have reached a certain point in their career. You know, maybe they're in their 40s and they've got, you know, sort of a critical mass of knowledge and experience mm-hmm. and, dare I say it, wisdom. Mm-hmm. behind them and help them craft their message to take to the world. And so it takes the whole process takes six weeks, three modules, and you can sign up for one or all three. And the first one is really about identifying your story. Cause we find a lot of speakers come to us and they go, I got, you know, I want to be a speaker, but I don't know what my message is. I got no right. stories. And boy, everybody's got a story. So Absolutely. the first module is about, about finding it, right? Yeah. What's your story? And then the second module is about writing it because you've got, as you know, when you do speaking, you've got to write that compelling script and think about all the things that's, you know, going to help you get your message across. What is your message? How do you refine it? How do you think about all those audiences we talked about? And then the third part and the, the bigger, the biggest part is now, how do I be a compelling speaker to get that message across? Mm-hmm. So that process takes about six weeks. Yeah. Wow. Starts September 14th. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. I, I'll, I'll share an idea with you once we're done, but, but that's, um, that's great. Uh, I'm so excited guys. Check that not guys, gals, check that out. And, um, where can they find information about that and about you and, uh, about ovation? Right. So the best place to find out about the Empower Her Wisdom is Sandbox Center, spelled the Canadian way, C-E-N-T-R-E dot com. You can register there. And then for us and our just our general programs, OvationSpeakerTraining.com. Okay. So SandboxCenter.com. And they can go on. There'll be registration, that kind of stuff will be on there. And then, of course, for you guys, OvationSpeaking.com, right? OvationSpeakerTraining.com. OvationSpeakerTraining.com. Okay, got it. Okay. And um, okay, well, that's awesome. And and I'm really excited about that. I gotta be honest, there there you shared so much today that made me think in so many different areas. Normally, normally I I'm dealing in the world of real estate or investing or that. And I've got so much basis for that. But now you've given me so much just on this topic of speaking so that you can be heard, speaking so that you can create action out of, out of that, right? I see the action taken, whether you're, whether you're a leader with title or a leader without, and being able to fulfill on the things that you want to make a difference in the world with right where whatever company you're in whatever business whatever you're doing i think that applies across the board absolutely hmm wow very powerful well any parting uh, message that you'd like to leave shona before we say goodbye Um, sorry, you were cutting out there, Neil. So I, I just okay. I, didn't hear okay. I was just saying, uh, a part, any parting message uh, before we before we leave? 
Oh, a parting message is, I guess more than anything as an entrepreneur and, yeah. and a speaker entrepreneur yeah. is trust yourself. You've got great ideas, frame them the right way, influence people, and they'll come along. Wow. Thank you. Shona, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all these ideas with us. And uh, we definitely look forward to uh, seeing some feedback, seeing the uh, your six-week uh, training that's coming up and uh, just getting to know you guys more and being in contact. I know you guys are doing great stuff there and around the world, but uh, definitely looking forward to more in the future. And maybe even when all of these restrictions disappear, uh, we might be able to connect up in your neck of the woods. That would be fantastic. Thanks so much. It's <laughs> been so great to talk to you today. All right. Thanks, Shona. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Leadership to Wealth podcast. We've got much more coming up in the weeks ahead, but I want to ask that if you can take the time to give us some feedback, we really appreciate it. Really means a lot to me. And uh, if you just take just a couple of seconds, it really does mean the world. And don't forget to like and follow. We'll see you guys next time here on Leadership to Wealth.